Hello and welcome to Back of the Net and Beyond, where today I'm going to be speaking to Troy Townsend, who's Head of Development at Kick It Out. How are you doing, Troy? You okay? Yeah, not too bad. A little bit hot and flustered, Dan, but yeah, <laughs> all, all good. All good. Nah, no need to be flustered, it's only me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your word for that, yeah. <laughs> How's life treating you at the minute? Yeah, obviously we're in... We're in different circumstances, so I'm still working from home at the moment. Um, with obviously working in football, you're not allowed to go to to football clubs, and most of them are only just returning as well. So it's a new way of working. I think I hit a brick wall a little while ago, whereas it, it was quite good to start with, you know, because yeah. I was at home and I wasn't doing all the travelling that I do, yeah. um, and I was putting on online events, so it was quite good. Um, and then I think I, you know mentally I hit a brick wall kind of thing so mm. I'm almost just coming out of that have a cycle of that now and uh hopefully yeah for you know forging ahead again so yeah it's been good it's been indifferent everyone's going to have different experiences aren't they but um but yeah you know on the whole I don't think I can really complain good stuff I suppose it's about adapting ain't it really um I mean obviously everyone's I wouldn't say everyone's in the same boat but we're in the same storm um, yeah. So yeah, it's about adapting and obviously using kind of the negative situation, trying to turn it into a positive. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. Do you want to just, aside from obviously, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you really, really busy. Um, obviously, I, I've done my research indirectly anyway because I, I know who you are and I know kind of what you're about. But for the listeners, if you just want to let us know, like, tell us about Kick It Out and obviously your involvement in that. Yeah. Well, Kick It Out is football's. Uh, equality organization so we're an anti-discrimination organization many people have known us as let's kick racism out of football originally as we were formed back in 1993 mm. um, to tackle racism um, you know for, to provide players with a voice and to help them overcome mm. the kind of abhorrent racism that existed at that time you know mm. um, we've, we've now changed into an organization that tackles all forms of discrimination um, that's why we're just called Kick It Out now. But I'm very lucky to provide education into the academy structure. So anyone from nines to 23s, staff and parents, um, I provide the education. So I put together all the educational plans um, and deliver as well. Um, and it's good because it keeps me involved in a, you know, that change room environment as such, Dan, yeah. particularly when you're with the players. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, as much as it is education, there's a two-way process to the conversations, you know, so it's not just me talking at the players or me talking at the staff. The education is kind of helping to understand and they can ask as many questions as possible. So I really enjoy that, you know, it really uh, brings something out of me and hopefully empowers the players as well. Um, I also work on the mentoring side of the game as well, so, or the business, sorry. So I run a program called Raise Your Game. Uh, which helps underrepresented people. So, as you know, football is very underrepresented, particularly mm. throughout its its levels, apart from the playing side of it. So, helps underrepresented people in touch, put in touch with mentors from within yeah. the industry uh, through seven different dis disciplines. Anything apart from, obviously, I can't go and give anyone a playing contract, but we can yeah. help them if they want to get into the media. We can help them if they want to get into sports science, refereeing football business so we cover quite a wide scope you know mm. I came through the program myself uh, 10 okay. years ago and yeah it's been uh, it, it again it's something 
Now, this year before lockdown, I put on events at Sky Sports to understand the media. Uh, you put, I put on a women's only event so that women can feel empowered about the, you know, working in the footballing industry. Yeah. Um, and we, since lockdown, we had a coaching event. Um, with the light, I managed to get the likes of Jurgen Klopp and Gareth Southgate involved in that. Oh, wow. You know, and um, yeah, we, it's it's a real reputable kind of uh, mentoring service that we provide. You know, with the outcomes of the possibility of people going to work in the industry or at least, you know, gain some experience within the industry. Um, and it's, it's, it's a powerful product. It's a, you know, supported by the Premier League. Um, so it's a real powerful product and one that I'm really proud of. So those are my two big initiatives that I work on within the organization. And obviously every time there's a, an incident, as we hear and know about, um, I'm one of the vocals vocal pieces but you know we've been challenged a lot as an organization as to whether we're fit for purpose whether we're just all about t-shirts and nothing else and yeah. you have to take the rough with this with the with the the good you know and and yeah. try and you know continue to do your day-to-day yeah. um because it's a tough industry to work in it's absolutely a tough industry to work in um but hopefully you know we we you know we come out the other side we're in a very difficult period obviously at the moment along yeah. with Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. So um, hopefully the messages are out there and people can start to appreciate, yeah. um, you know, representation and difference. Yeah, it's massive. I mean, you mentioned a lot of things there and it seems like you've, you've got a lot going on. Um, and one of the things that you mentioned kind of resonated with myself because, as you know, there's a lot of, when there's an incident, there's a lot of things that can, can happen and, and come about off the back of said incidents. Hence, kind of yourselves, which have been around for many years, and obviously Black Lives Matter, um, and various other kind of organisations. And from the outside looking in, sometimes people don't know kind of what you do, what Black Lives yeah. Matter is about. Doesn't mean to say they don't agree with it, but they just don't know what it means and, and what what you do. And sometimes they may have the, the perception of, oh, you, you're just here to kind of, yeah. um, kind of just just shout just shout about kind of racism without going into much detail and we only hear from you when an incident happened, which is high profile or something like that, which obviously isn't the case. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming based on kind of the things that I just mentioned there, which are kind of a small strand of the other issues that are out there in terms of getting into people's psyche and getting them to understand what you actually do. I'm, I'm assuming you have to do quite a lot of convincing, um, sit down, have a chat with various different organisations or people within different fraternities to explain what you actually do and break it down. Danny, I think that that's part of the course for most industries, to be fair. But remember, racism, let, let's just focus on racism, if you don't mind. It's a tough mm. topic to talk about. Definitely. You know, it's a tough topic to appreciate as well. You know, mm. if you haven't walked in the shoes of someone or a, a community that has constantly been belittled or dehumanised because of racial abuse, mm. where do you go with it? So, you know, sometimes I throw it back in people's faces in terms of, I'm not being disrespectful at all, but, you know, recently had the opportunity to do a piece on Sky Sports with Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. And I often hear on Sky Sports when they talk to the pundits, you know, the ex-players, they say, oh yeah, we were given this t-shirt to wear and, you know, we didn't know what it was for. And when we finished, we throw it down into the middle and that's it. So the thing that I said to Gary, when you were thrown the t-shirt, did you ask any questions? Did you ask why you were wearing it? Did you mm. ask what the organisation was about? And then did the person who was throwing you the T-shirt, did they understand it either, you know? So mm. there's a two-way thing here. Yes, I understand that, that mm. sometimes people will not get what we're about and they only see us 
when they think that we are shouting about another incident of racial abuse and going, yeah. oh, why do they keep talking about it? Mm. But this is why I'm really pleased about the education that we do now. Yeah. Because it was not around in, in you know, in, in, in a Gary Neville's day or an Ashley Cole's day, you know, it, mm. it very much was just, you know, put the t-shirt on for awareness. You know, it's about a racism organization. And, and when you finish, just put it in the middle. Yeah. I would, I would hope that, now there's a little bit more awareness although it's still needed but absolutely what you said is right is we need to continue those conversations and keep it being open-minded because mm. first and foremost we're only a charity you know we're a part of football a big part of football we're a charity mm. we're the biggest reporting bureau in terms of in football but we don't have the ability to sanction yeah so we were being criticized obviously you know the john terry and anton ferdinand case and we were being criticised quite heavily as to why we didn't sanction John Terry, you know, a lot harder than what he was. Um, mm -hmm. We are the middle organisation in all that. You know, we mm -hmm. get reports in, we'll push the reports onto the FA. We then seek some kind of conclusion from the FA in terms of what how they're investigating the case. Yeah. And then we'll pass it back on to the victim where we can, you know. Um, mm -hmm. the, the thing here is, would I like us to have more power? Uh, without doubt, if you're asking me a direct question, yeah, mm. I would like us to be the ones that are that are part of all of that, so that you know maybe the outside world would appreciate us a little bit more. But mm. in a sense, our hands are tied a little bit. I have to use that phrase because people do fundamentally see us as, well, you haven't done enough, you know, yeah. you haven't made that that player, you know, not return to the game until he's get education, and and you've only given him eight matches, you know, that is that's not our decision. Mm. And most of the time people will hear me talking will, will be because I'm saying I don't think that's good enough and I don't think it's strong enough. Yeah. But unfortunately, mm. I don't have the power or we don't have the power to change that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, again, that's about understanding, isn't it? Where people just kind of see you as the face and think, well, why haven't you punished X, Y and Z as opposed mm. to this person? And it's like you said, you haven't got the power to, to impose those sanctions. And that, again, is about people understanding what Kick It Out is actually about. And it, it's, yeah. it's good that you're actually getting the information out there now. And I, I draw back on when I was when I was playing when I was younger. So I'm I'm 39 now, and I retired mm. when I was 31. Um, and you look good for your age, I tell you that much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, you mentioned something there when you, you mentioned kind of Ashley Cole and people like that, and they're they're my age group. And I remember I don't I don't want to upset you or the organisation with what I'm about to say, um, but it, it's it's basically my it's my story and my history would kick it out. And it was when I was at Bournemouth, so I'm going back probably 2002, 2003-ish. Mm, mm. um, and obviously it was the area where you were given the t-shirt to wear. Brilliant. So I'm, I'm a youngster then, so I'm like 21 or whatever at that age, um, at that stage of my career. So I put the t-shirt on, the whole team's got it on, and we've got a mixture of like black and white, and it's not necessarily about colour anyway, but I just want to throw that in there. Yeah, um, yeah. And we're doing the warm-up as you do, half an hour, whatever it may be, and then play the game. After the game, I can't remember the result, but one of my teammates came up to me and said, oh, like, did you hear the racial abuse you were getting? And it was a home game, so playing at home at Bournemouth. Don't know what fans it was, I can't remember, uh, but the long and short of it was I didn't hear anything, so it was good of him mm. to obviously make me aware. And that was, that was coming from a white player as well. Mm. I went and reported it to the management staff, who were great, and obviously they took it further. Nothing came about of it, and up to be honest, I didn't expect anything. But my train of thought then was, if I'm wearing this T-shirt before a game and there's what five, ten thousand fans there, 
you can visually see everyone wearing it, both sets of teams, right? And then they're still going to abuse me. What message is a t-shirt sending out? If people still can't understand it, they can see it, but they're still going to go beyond that and, and say whatever their rhetoric is in terms of racism and racist slurs. So from that day on, I never wore it again. Okay. Um, and it didn't come about until the latter stages of my career when I was at Tamworth. Um, and I was 30 at that stage. And that was the first time I, I came across the kick it out t-shirt again. And mm. I, I seen it in my peg and I said, I'm not wearing it. Bearing in mind, my character is just chilled out. Don't make a fuss about anything really. Go in, train, do what I need to do and go home. So I, I was never one to kick up a fuss or anything. So yeah. I said, I'm not wearing it. And we had a few kind of players, as you do, like banter and brilliant banter and whatever else. So one of them caught on to me saying, I'm not going to wear it. And he thought that by saying he's going to go and tell the manager, it would force me into wearing it. And he wasn't trying to bully me. It was just a banter thing. So I said, well, I'm not wearing it. And I gave my reasons why. And he said, okay, uh, let me go and get the gaffer. Because it, it was like a joke being through. So he yeah, aired it yeah, out yeah. in the whole dressing room. He aired it out. And I, I said, fine. Went and got the gaffer. Gaffer came in. I explained my reasons as to why I wasn't wearing it, which is what I just explained to you. And he said, that's fine. And then I didn't wear it. And people were like, oh, wow, like, I didn't expect that from you. And I was like, well, what did you expect to happen? The gaffer to walk in and tell me to wear it. If he forced you to wear it, it, then yeah. it would end up fighting. And, mm. it, and obviously that wouldn't be a good scenario for anyone. So he knew me. He knew me as my, like, in terms of my character and obviously what my stance was on it. And this isn't me saying I, di- I, didn't, I don't agree with what you're doing. Because obviously the initiative is a great initiative. But at the time, my experience with it was a negative thing. Now, since then, the, the organisation has come a long way. And obviously, you're going out there and you're speaking to clubs and you're more prevalent on, in the press and online, social media and stuff. And the information about what you're doing is kind of more readily available. Whereas yeah, at that yeah. point in my career, it was more so like what you said before, this case of, okay, put the T-shirt on, wear it, throw it back on the floor, and then that's it, you've done your bit. Um, yeah. So, And obviously, there was more to it than that, which people just weren't aware. Don't know but how Danny, that now, to be fair, listen, let's put it this way. I don't mind criticism, by the way, because mm. if we, we live in a world where, you know, we get praise and we get criticism, the mm. praise we get, we have to accept it in the same way that we'll get criticism. Mm. I've been in the organisation nine years, by the way, and this mm. is no excuse at all. But when I arrived at the organisation, I'm, I'm going to tell you this now, I expected this massive like, organisation that was dealing with racism. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I walked in an office where there were five people okay. and the office was above a pizza express oh, wow. in central London. Honestly, Dan, and I'm, 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 I tell this story all the time. Mm. I thought it was a small branch of the bigger office that was really? at Wembley. Oh, so wow. I was waiting. I, I, I'm waiting to go to Wembley. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought, yeah, that's where the big wigs are. Mm. So when I met the, the business manager at the time, I said, oh, where is everyone? You know, she went, what do you mean? Where is everyone? I went, no, I just thought that, you know, is this the small one? Yeah. And she went, no, welcome to kick it out. Jeez. And I was like, what? You know, the organisation that challenges racism and discrimination in football has got like the top floor of an old building with five people working in it. And then I said, how how do you exist? I said, because I volunteered to start with Dan. I wasn't even permanently employed. I volunteered. And I went, how do you exist? Mm. She went, what do you mean? How do you exist? Knowing the issues of the game, Mm. I just said, how do you exist? So whilst I'm not using that as an excuse, 
And the other, you know, in terms of, but you can understand, you know, five people working in an organisation, you know, mm. that's dealing with the whole professional game, the yeah. non-league game and the grassroots game. Mm. The other thing for me is, I would say to you, and you wouldn't know this answer, but did your report actually get to kick it out? So you have reported it to the club. Do you know yeah. what I mean? The yeah. club should have had a process. And that process hasn't changed, by the way, mm. of identifying it to the FA mm. and then and also identifying it to kick it out. If it's identified to kick it out, we then take it to the FA and say, look, professional player playing for, you know, X club, mm. racially abused. Bam, there you go. Can you deal yeah. with it and let us know the outcome? You know, the, my role now would be to contact you and say, mm. Dan, right, it's with the FA. I'll keep you in the loop. It's not going to be a quick story, by the way, mm. um, but I'll keep you in the loop as to what's going on. We then drum up a relationship where I'll, where I'll you know, drop you WhatsApps and whatever else and say, boy, Dan, they're hanging on this one. Do you know what I mean? They can't yeah. find a fan or whatever else. Mm. You know, that never existed at that time. Mm. Now, whilst I fully understand, you know, if feeling let down mm. and saying, well, why am I wearing this then? Do mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. I think where the butt of everyone's kind of criticism mm. that makes the, the highest level of the game, the FAs, the Premier Leagues, the champ, get away with it, you know, because True. we're an easy target. Yeah. You know, a much easy target. And, and yeah. I would also say to you is, where was your union? Mm. Where Was your union aware? Probably not, yeah. Right, because they're your immediate support system. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Your yeah. immediate... So, I'm, listen, I'll hold my hand up and still take flack. You know, mm. I took flack recently over Jonathan Lecco situation okay. that happened in, in, in October, you know, with Casillas, the Leeds goalie. Yeah. I took unbelievable flack. Do you know why, Danny? Because... I don't want to hear a story like yours. I mm. don't want to hear a story like Jonathan Lecco's where he felt let down. Mm. But absolutely, I did what I should have done in terms of trying to contact him. Yeah. And it was people at the club that let, as far as I'm concerned, mm. that let him down or protected yeah. him so yeah. that I couldn't get to him to tell him that the process he was just about to go through was mm. going to take about six months. Mm. Do you know what I mean, Dan? Oh. So I'm, when I say... I'm okay taking a criticism. No one's okay taking a criticism, but I'll take the flack and I'll also yeah. come back and give you kind of my version of events, you know? And listen, I, honestly, I think I, was, I wish I was working at the organisation longer. Mm. You know, nine years it's been, but, you know, because me and you would have met, me yeah. and you would have discussed your situation. Mm. Me, you would have at least had the knowledge to know, well, Troy from Kick It Out is on it. Let's mm. see how far we go with it, you know? Mm, yeah. I think but you're me, another player that's been let down. Exactly. Well, to be honest, my my train of thought in terms of my experience wasn't geared towards kick it out. It was more so geared towards the fans and society in general. Because my message is, look, if, if my or my train of thought was, if you can't actually read and understand the message yeah. on on here, why why I don't understand. Like, so for me, it was a case of it's not about oh kick it out didn't do anything because I didn't push it. So I didn't push the narrative of yeah. my experience with the club or anything like that. I didn't take it any further just because I didn't really want to. And because okay. maybe because I didn't actually hear it, because if I'd have heard it, I probably would, would have, have been a different story. Yeah. And yeah. it would have hurt me a lot more. So I didn't hear yeah. it. So that for me, it was a case of thank you for telling me. I appreciate that. And I, I respect you telling me as a teammate. I, I told the management just to let, let them know and make them aware of the situation. But I didn't expect anything. I didn't follow it up. And that's nothing to do with like, if, if I felt like I had to follow it up, then I would have done. Because my character is I'll just go through it and I'll, I'll go to the higher echelons, whoever it may be. So I've always been like that. 
regardless of whether it's in sport or not. So yeah, but not, whether it's you, Dan, or yeah. whether it's me actually saying, I've heard about the incident, Dan. Are you okay? Do you want help? Do you want support? With even yeah. that part of it, you know? And like mm. I said, we wasn't a massive organisation back then. Mm. And I don't even know if, you know, I, couldn't, I wouldn't know if we were aware of your situation. But yours is just one situation. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Now imagine yeah, all the situations out there. Um, and, I, and I'm forever, I'll be honest with you, I'm, we are forever apologising to people. Mm. Because one of the main things is anyone that suffered hurt and pain because of this football club, or, or sorry, because of this game, mm. why would we not apologise? You know? Yeah. yeah, so that, you know, that's, that's, that's it for me. And, and like I say, I, I think we're, we're a buffer board for many of the, the, the top organisations to not take the flack and, you know, yeah. we'll buffer it and take the flack and then take it from there. It, it's just systematic of what it is. But I definitely agree with that um, because even to this day, I mean, the last probably year or so, there's been various different incidences and, like you said, it's it, you're an easy target just because you're not. I, I don't mean to demean the organisation, but you're you're small time in, in, in comparison yeah. to Sky and everyone else um, yeah. in terms of organisational size and presence. So it's easy for them to sit behind and think, ah, oh, well, let's see what Kick It Out are going to do. Let them front it for a little bit. Let Troy go in front of the camera. Mm. Let him take the flat for six weeks or whatever it may be, and then we'll step aside. That's my opinion. I don't know yeah. how you feel or anyone else feels like me. W w listen, we make mistakes as well. You know, mm. there's times when the criticism has been levelled at us and it's absolutely correct. So mm. I'm not standing here saying that we're the be-all and end-all. Do you know what I mean? But what I yeah. will say is that I think that a lot of the times we are the buffer of mm. criticism for other people to, to, to kind of get away with it as such, you mm. know? And, and any yeah. criticism should be something that you delve into and, one, and think, why? Why would someone criticise us? For yeah. trying to do the right thing, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, cool. So footballers failed. Football, mm. Footballers failed on this topic. Mm. You know, if you're telling me back in 2002, and yet we know that in 2020 it's still a massive issue, yeah. that's 18 long years. Exactly. It's 18 yeah. long years, yeah, cool. and then previous to you, do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. So going forward, I do think it's a societal problem, uh, and football plays a small part for the simple fact that football is the national sport, um, and in and in a so in a sense, to a certain degree, everyone everyone likes football or knows about football or knows someone who's involved or likes mm. football or supports a team or something. So it's always kind of prevalent on the news when something happens in football as opposed to, to maybe rugby or tennis or something. Of course. Of um, course. For me, moving on from this slightly and, and bringing it into kind of, I don't know, a worldwide thing, um, what something I always think about is how can we change the narrative or, or the rhetoric or the psyche of of the world? And I know it's a, a broad kind of subject, and obviously the world is obviously massive, but racism's all across the world. And I'm talking about black people because I know or come across black people that are racist. When yeah, we talk about racist, people naturally always think it, it's just white people against or versus black people. Um, and so I want to put that out there and there are black people that are racist, white people, Asian, whatever. So for me, everyone needs educating. And for me, I've always thought about how to obviously eradicate it to a certain degree or, or make steps to eradicate it. And it's not going to be a quick fix. It's not going to happen in a year, two years, three years. Racism has been around for, for centuries. So to then think you're going to have some type of uh, format to eradicate it over yeah. a year is nonsensical, makes no sense. But I think a step 
would be to get various leaders, so organization, people at boardroom level, athletes from all kinds of sports across the world, people who are in kind of, I don't know, people who own shops on the streets, people who own banks and whatever it may be. So people from all walks of life, different races. Within those races, you've got different classes. So you've got people, like I said, at boardroom level, people who are just on the street doing what they need to do. People call it the roadman, whatever. They still count, in my, in my opinion. So you get all those people from all those different facets and, and um, strands and sit them down on a table, going to have to be a massive table, and just hash it out and have some dialogue. Because I think without dialogue and understanding, you can't move forward. You can't, I can't tell you about my experiences without understanding yours. Because mm. your narrative on racism is going to be different. I can't relate yeah. to someone who lives in London who's being stopped every day as a black person by police. Because yeah. I'm a black person, I live in Coventry, and it doesn't happen yeah. to me. I'm from Leamington yeah. Spa, which is a small town just outside of Coventry. And there are a mix of different races there. But I've never come across a policeman stop me in the street. So if tomorrow I go to work, and I'm going to go and meet a client, and the policeman taps on the shoulder and says, can I search you? I'd be like, yeah, happy days, search me. Because I've mm. never come across it. But then mm. if it happens the next day, I'm thinking, okay, this is strange. It what's going on here? Yeah. But then if it happens a third and fourth time, then I'm going to start getting aggravated and thinking, well, what's going on? Is there another, like, are you pushing a narrative here? Mm. So that's the experience that someone in London's having, which I can understand, but I can't relate to because I'm not experiencing it. And that's just mm. a small kind of... That's, no, that's uh, a great way of putting it. That's a great way of putting it. You've also got to remember that in London, it's not just the tap on the shoulder, it's the pulling over. If you're yeah. driving something that you're not mm. expected to be driving. So yeah. that, that kind of racial profiling, you know, of, yeah. of, have you seen who's driving that car? Let's pull them over. Yeah. And then once, once you've, listen, I've been pulled over. I had two, we, this is quite a while ago, very long time ago. Mm. But me and the missus had been out for the night and we didn't bother to take the baby seats out in the back. Yeah. Mm. We're driving a BMW. It's not a, a massive, brilliant BMW, but it's a BMW. Yeah. As we get round by our house, we get stopped, the pulled out, and they followed us routes outside our house. Mm. And the first thing I said was, why, why, why are you following us? I went, oh, we've got a description of this car being stolen. Mm. So the first thing I said was, what, with two baby seats in the back? Mm. Yeah. And he went, well, funny enough, yeah. And I knew he was, and I don't want to say the word, but I knew he was having me on. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But it very quickly goes from us, come on, mate, now, don't even, just, just give me the real reason. So the man, the officer, let me be respectful, telling me to shut up or he will arrest me. Wow. Now, we've only had two bits of dialogue, which is one, why have you stopped me? Yeah. And two, are, are you kidding me? You know what I mean? With yeah. two a BMW with two baby seats in the back. Mm. If that's the case, this is your car. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and within an instant, it was shut up. Don't talk to me like that or you'll be arrested. See, and now you can you, now you can appreciate the commotion that's going to start, yeah. Of course, yeah. Mrs. Who's, who's saying one thing, I've got he's got his fellow colleague who's saying you better listen, and you've yeah. got me who's saying why are you talking to me like that? Exactly. I haven't done nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean, Dan? So yeah. that's an experience of London, and and being around London and driving or walking London streets. Yeah. And like you said, you know, it's a difficult thing to put up with over and over again. Of course it is. And I, to be honest, I resonate with what you're saying to a certain degree because I always like to be treated how I treat people. So I can be the kindest man in the world, but I can switch just like that. And if someone mm. speaks to me in a certain way, especially if my family's there, kids and that, it's... I, I can't stop it. 
and I don't, I'll be honest, I, I'm not saying good, bad or indifferent, that's just my character, it's how I've been brought yeah. up. But I yeah. want my kids to understand that I've got their back and people yeah. can't talk to you how they want. So many times you've been in, I've been in Tesco's or Asda and you're looking for something and then you can hear someone huffing and puffing behind you and then before you know it, they're saying, like, how long are you going to take? And I'm, then I, I'm, I'm ready to go then. I don't get yeah. it because for me, I'm happy to wait for anyone. If I'm waiting for someone to look for something, you just wait and that's it. But people are rude. And then when you say your piece, suddenly you're the, the arrogant or the rude one. And it, it, exactly. it's not. So then, again, exactly. I go further and let them know that they're dealing with someone who's kind of well-educated and I know where mm. I stand. So you can't mm. kind of just mess with me and, and expect me to be all nicey-nicey. It doesn't work like mm. that. So, Dan, listen. Dan, listen. I, I wear a suit most of the, most of the time to work, mm. yeah? And to, to when I travel. So I travel by uh, train or, or tube because I travel to all the football clubs. And I'm not saying that a, shoot, a suit should make you anything different, but I'm a businessman. Put it that way. Yeah. I'm a businessman mm. who has been told to, who has basically been told what you're doing in first class, wow. who's basically been told, um, sorry, mate, that's my book seat, and the geezer going, prove it, who's been looked at in a way where it's almost like I don't deserve to be. Yeah. And this is, on, this, is on, this is on transport, by the way. That's there Crazy. for everybody. And I said to my boss, who's white Irish, she said, well, I think almost, almost as if she said, I think you're making some of this up. Yeah. Right. And I said to her, travel with me. Mm. And so she traveled with me. Mm. And then she went, I get what you're talking about now. She get, I've never seen it before, but I get what you're talking about. Mm. And, and seriously, Dan, I, I, I'm not saying that I'm no big hierarchical, whatever, but no, yeah, when you experience it over and over again, you start to notice things as well, you know? Yeah, naturally. And you notice things and you, you kind of think to yourself, here we go again, you know, yeah. what have I got to do? I'm just a man trying to mind my own business. I normally travel with a colleague who's also black. Yeah. So, you know, you've got, you've got two black people and yeah. then all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of like, oh, there's two of them over there. Mm. And I've had people, with, like, the organisation books you seats, you know, book seats. Mm. So if I'm in 46B, mm. that's the one that's been booked for me. I've had people refuse to move refuse to move and then another person say show me the ticket that tells me that's your seat not the not the conductor yeah a regular member of the public regular member of the public so a little thing like that i call it little in inverted commas but a scenario like that can end up escalating and then one one or one or both of you could end up in prison because exactly there's certain scenarios where i just think okay like let it slide but nine times out of ten i can't and then before you know it you're in a physical and then before you know it, someone's injured they've got evidence to show it and then it's troy towns and punch me yeah that's it obviously i've got to think all i've got to think all the time because of my job yeah. i've got to think all the time not to be a part of any of that kind of controversy because the first thing will be me yeah. and i work to kick it out not about the yeah. member of the public who's exactly. who started the whole scenario you know yeah. so yeah, yeah. Always got to be mindful, but always, always aware. Do you know what I mean? Always aware. It's definitely a tough subject. And again, you could sit here all day talking about it. But going forward, I do think some dialogue needs to happen from kind of everyone from from all walks of life, all races. My my opinion anyway, that's me. Um, But going forward slightly, um, aside from Kick It Out, you're also involved in other charities. Um, I think you've been a sports columnist before and you've got your own podcast as well. So... Want to just touch on those things for me? Um, yeah, so I'm a patron to Football Beyond Borders. 
Mm. Um, you know, that's such a powerful organisation that supports young people. Mm. Um, started off in, in, in South London, but it's now Football Beyond Borders has branched out to, to Manchester as well. And it's, it's the thing that's giving young people hope okay. whilst letting them show off their abilities. You know, our young people, particularly those within a schooling age, sometimes are not allowed to show off their creativity not allowed to show that they can be something in their lives. Do you know what I mean? And the power of what football beyond borders do. And, and like I say, I'm a patron, but uh, you know, I don't even get involved as much as maybe I'd like to because of my job. But every time I see them do a showcase, they do showcase events at the end of the year where yeah. the young people show off their talent, their ability. And I don't mean I'm talking about in reading, in writing, in being creative, to put together magazines, uh, creative and put together, uh, you know, clothing wear and, and, and yeah. talking about the topics that we've been discussing for the last 10 minutes. Yeah. That gives me hope. Mm -hmm. You know, it gives me hope that the generation that constantly gets not yeah. how they're, you know, they've got no future and, and, you know, it's not just black children either. You know, children from different backgrounds, ethnicities, you know, I sat next to a, the last showcase, I sat next to a white family, mum, dad, um, two kids who have gone through the program and, and one elder son. Okay. I've never seen a family so proud of the two kids who had already been told that they would probably struggle to attain any kind of level of results. Yeah. They are probably put on the risk list. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yet I saw them up on stage talking confidently and expressing how much football beyond borders has helped them grow and develop as young people mm -hmm. Damn, we can't buy that you, you can't buy that kind of experience so you know i'm very privileged chris smalling's involved with them you know as well and you yeah. get people like that who are willing cyrus christie at fulham you get people who want to support because of the impact that they can see yeah um so yeah really proud of that um i write columns every so often uh, mm -hmm. for the voice newspaper Okay. So I write about football, you know, just anything that we could be doing from an educational point of view or certain situations that are happening out in the beautiful game and just giving it from my perspective. Yeah. Um, so I normally write once a month, but I haven't wrote, written for about two months now. Okay. Um, and you know what? The big thing about that, Dan, is I left school without anything. Okay. I left school with no qualifications. Um, I very hardly took any of my exams because it was pointless. Mm. Uh, I always thought I was going to be a professional footballer so I didn't feel that I needed the rest of the stuff mm. and if you asked me to put together some sentences I'm telling you now you wouldn't be able to read what I was putting together right. I could write but I couldn't write in terms of do you know what I mean yeah so the fact that I write mainly from here just made on here you know and, yeah. and people listen and listen I'm telling you now it's, it's not the best thing in the world Mm. It's not that, but you know what? They've given me a platform to, to openly discuss anything that I want to discuss around sport. Okay. And I'm really proud because it's taken me out of my comfort zone mm. whilst also allowing me to express stuff that I would never have thought that I would have expressed before. Right. You know, so really proud of what I do for, for them. And mm. the conversation, the podcast that we run, I run it with um, Rodney Hines, who's a sports editor at The Voice, and Darren Lewis, who's obviously sports correspondent, uh, writer at the Daily Mirror. The Mirror. Um, and we just want to give a different perspective on, you know, three black men. You know, maybe at times there's only two of us, but 
we see Sunday Supplement, you know, we see, you know, Sky Sports, we see BT. And yeah. unless you're one of the top players, we never see people like us, you know, yeah. and we don't see people like us hosting the programmes. We don't yeah. see, you know, diversity in the, the kind of people that come on. So we mm. do a thing that's, that's online mm. and we give people the opportunity to talk in an open, safe environment, you know, sports people. Yeah. to talk journalists to talk you know and we've had some very revealing conversations with them mm. um and i'm just really proud of being able to again from someone who like i said to you whose background really is nothing to be shouting about i'm really mm. proud proud of someone so working for a an anti-discrimination organization you know patron of a charity who you know brings young people to absolute life yeah. to writing for a black owned newspaper and and to posting my own podcast Mm. and that's why I say Dan sometimes you can't you, you can't moan at life you know because there's also a lot of people that have a lot more you know a lot less than what I do that's for sure 100% um, I mean I've watched some of the podcasts and uh, yeah they are really enjoyable and like you said it's true you see things you see things from a, a different perspective uh, which sometimes you don't see everyone's got a perception of athletes yeah. whether it be good bad or indifferent uh, and sometimes I can understand why athletes are kind of detached especially nowadays, social media, back in my day when I was yeah. kind of coming into the sport, coming into football, there was nothing really apart from someone had to have a camera. To yeah. get a picture of you now, everyone's, now it's the general public who are the media as opposed to the yeah. media broadcasting uh, companies. So uh, I can see why people, especially athletes in general, don't uh, kind of second guess or apprehensive about appearing on certain shows um, mm. because they don't know what the other person is trying to get from it. Every every sports person, as you know, people are trying to sell you stuff just for their own kind of benefit. And there are a lot of underhand people out there. So for you to get people on and obviously get them to kind of uh, come out of their shell to a certain degree gives the opportunity for uh, people like myself and the general public to see them from a different perspective. So that's exactly. great. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of my podcast, obviously, as we mentioned before, up there, it, it's about making people aware that athletes have got transferable skills. So um, the skills I'm talking about are skills which are um, transferable to other industries. And sometimes people, especially footballers, can get caught up in that football bubble where you're just a footballer and that's it. You don't know anything else. And we, we don't want you to know anything else. Just concentrate on making it and playing well and appearing on whatever TV shows and, and whatever else. But there's more to athletes than that. And a lot of athletes don't, they're not aware of this as well. And I think mm. as athletes, aside from football, sport in general, athletes have got a lot of transferable skills, which the general public, so to speak, haven't got. And they can bring a lot to the table in terms of being in the office or whether it be involved in sports still. Yeah. There's yeah. a boardroom level. And I think there's mm. an opportunity being missed by a lot of organisations because they're not willing to import, employ sports people. It's still to this day, people are naturally just looking at what's on a CV, which is great. Obviously, there are certain jobs, doctor and whatever else, certain vocations that you need to fall into whatever role it may be. But there are a lot that, that don't require those things. You just need to be given a chance. And luckily for yeah. me, when I retired from football, I was given a chance. But I had to start from the bottom, which is understandable. Yeah. And sometimes as sports people, you're not willing to do that because you're looking for parity in terms of wages. And you may be at a certain level in terms of wages and you're looking for something else that can give you that um, kind of lifestyle, so to speak. Yeah, you may not yeah be the security side of it. Yeah. yeah, so you may not be able to get that initially. You have to be willing. So 
it's fine me sitting here and talking to people and saying, okay, great, more needs to be done. PFA needs to do more and whatever else. But as a player, as an athlete, as a person, you need to have that gumption yourself. You need to have that willingness to go out and, and use your network or go outside your network and integrate with society. Put yourself mm. out there and show that you're willing to learn. Otherwise, mm. people generally, unless you're kind of high profile and people know who you are, nothing's really going to fall. They're not going to look at you. Yeah. 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 So you need to put yourself out there. And essentially, as a sports person, you're starting from back to front anyway. So back when you scratch, retire, yeah. you're starting from, from scratch, essentially. So all your friends, when you're 31, 32, and you're starting out your second period in your life, your second career, all your friends who have kind of finished school and went into work, whether it be apprenticeships or whatever in the workplace, they're kind of, they've gone past middle management. They're now in mm. kind of CEO or business owners or mm. whatever it may be. So you may have the same skill set as them in terms of mental skill set and ability, but on paper you haven't and you haven't got the experience. So hence why you may have to start from the bottom. Um, in terms of your experiences, because obviously you've played football to a certain degree, but you've obviously... You've got a son who is a high-profile professional footballer and you've come across a lot of sports people. Yeah. Um, what are your kind of thoughts on athletes having transferable skills? What have you come across and what, what advice can you give to any athletes or organisations out there? Do you know what? I, I look at it in two ways, Dan, because I look at it as I class myself as the failed player mm. who, who didn't prepare for failure. Okay. You know, the, 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 the industry doesn't. It doesn't kind of prepare you for it, does it? You know, it, it's no. put all your eggs in one basket. You know, if it happens, it happens. If it don't, then sorry, you're gone. We'll leave you alone. Yeah. You know, you're out of the game. And I, and I didn't prepare. You know, I was released. Last time I was released was 16. And I, like I said, I left school with nothing and absolutely had nothing to look forward to in terms of what, what would I do next, you know? And I suffered mentally um, because there wasn't a preparation kind of for after the game as such or you know, for being released and, and got into all kind of silly habits and silly things, you know, and, you know, it was, it was one night that, you know, absolutely, like a friend of mine was, was, was sliced, um, his eye was sliced open, um, someone that is racially motivated, full stop, they'd literally slice underneath his eye and his high eye was hanging down. I'm DJing, so my transferable skill was I love music right. and I'm playing music and, and I'm in a, an area of East London where there were not many, uh, there, there were black people, but they didn't frequent the, the bar that I was playing in. Right. And then I'm playing and all of a sudden I'm bringing a diverse group of people into this bar. I was going from about 20 people to, I don't know, 250 people in there. Mm. So it was definitely working, but there was a jealousy around it. And like I said, okay. to cut a long story short, it, it cost my mate nearly his eye, you know, and, and that kind of made me think I need to do something better with my life because this is not what I'm about. You know, I was around a group of people who I'm going to be honest here, did, you know, did drugs and, and, and threatened people and earned money through illegal transactions and all that kind of stuff. You know, right. I was a follower. So in football, I captain all my teams. I, I was deemed as a leader when football spat, spat me out. I then became a follower. You know, I wanted that notoriety of being part of the game again. Mm. And, uh, I've learned my transferable skills as I've tried to earn money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't pre-prep. I learned them as I tried to earn money. And, and uh, like I say, to the point where obviously I've told the listeners now what I do now, um, I'm quite proud of what I did, but not everyone can take a 20-year journey to do that or a 25-year journey to do that. 
I do see things being, I do see a lot of players being more conscious of the next stage. You know, so if we talk about, you know, even in my own son, he started properties up from a very early age. You know, we, as a family where I didn't get the support of my parents, um, we definitely made sure we supported him. And at the time, we didn't know where his journey was going, but we wanted to support him from the very end. And then when he started to earn a little bit of money, it was to make sure that he put the money to good use rather than just spend, spend, spend. And he's never really been a spender, to be totally honest. I mean, our family never had nothing, you know, so any yeah. little bit of money was nice, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's been, he's put into properties from almost from the outset. So whereas the kind of the end of his career, which may be soon, mm. he hasn't got to start at the bottom yeah. because he pre-planned from a very long time ago. Mm. Now he's free to go into whatever he wants to go into yeah. as he finishes his career. And everything is about the advice you receive and the people you have around you because uh, a lot of this will be hangers on, you know, you have a lifestyle, you earn a particular amount of money, you have a lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? And then you have to keep that lifestyle going. And then there'll be the hangers on who want you to keep that lifestyle going because it helps them as well, you know? And I think we've got a more conscientious group of, of, of players now who are prepared to, do you know what? Have a lifestyle but put some aside, mm. have a lifestyle, but let it run aside business interests. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not as concerned, particularly at the highest level, but obviously, like you said, Dan, it's difficult when you're talking about the levels of, of you know, League One, League Two. Yeah. Because ultimately, <laughs> you've got to go and fish for that living again. Yeah. Because your earnings are making you survive now, mm. giving you a little bit, do you know what I mean? You can look yeah. good, but unless you've stocked it up, you've then got to go and fish again for a, for a living. And like you said, start from the bottom. So I would always say to people, do you know what to do your, your, your development part, your next stage part mm. in the process of playing. Now that is tough because, you know, when you know better than me, Dan, the game is so regimented, yeah. so regimented. Although people say, oh, they have a lot of time off them footballers, don't they? You know, it, 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 do you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. It's how you make that time to good That's use. It. And also you, you could have a family that needs to, you know, wants your yeah. attention as well, you know. But if you can, I would always say, you know, properties is a great thing. It mm. can be a headache, but it can be a great thing. Mm. It also can lead to you absolutely wanting to own your own kind of business that works around properties as well, you know. Yeah. And that could be from the income that you're getting because of properties that you're, you're, you're renting out, etc. Yeah, as professional players now, there's this program called the onboard program. So you spoke about, um, you know, getting into boardrooms and stuff like that. Getting into boardrooms is not as easy as it sounds, but the onboard program helps develop that mind, that boardroom mindset. Um, and, oh, there you go. In September, yeah. hopefully. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, Carl, your tutor, Carl, bam, he's he's spot on. Yeah, he's brilliant. You, you'll have fun whilst you learn. Yeah. And then you get down to the nitty gritty. He he is amazing. I, I did it five years ago. Okay. Now, what that does is open up opportunities in terms of, you know, uh, yeah, a lot of the, 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 the boys I was with and, and there's a couple of girls as well are using that because we want to think about football as a long-term future. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But what they do once you've passed out is they give you like opportunities in housing, opportunities in the NHS, opportunities in, in various other industries. Mm. that you can actually go and sit on a board you know and for me that's magnificent insight you know yes you want football because your knowledge is in football 
But imagine sitting on a board at the NHS exactly. and appreciating and understanding all of that. So you've got to work at it in tandem with your career. Mm. And I think in the past, your career has never allowed that to. Yeah. But you've got to be strong-willed and strong-minded to be able to go, do you know what? Football is not going to last forever for me. Mm. And I still need to feed my kids when it's done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And my yeah. family when it's done. So I would urge anyone to make sure that they, you know, whether you're 24, 26, 28, think about it. Mm. Think about it now, you know, and make sure you keep investing in your future. Mm. You know, mon the, the football industry, like you said, is not an endless pot of money. Mm. You know, and even if you go into coaching, your money dips massively, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. just, just, just think about the opportunity and connect with good people. Connect mm. with people that have transferred out of the game. Yeah. Connect with people who, there's a lot of, you know, Marvin Sordell, very good friend, is starting up a, a business now that's helping with that transition. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? So people like that that have, you know, Marvin retired at 28 years of age. Mm. He could have had another six, seven years in his in his career, you know, but he's yeah. he hasn't he hasn't fought for it, he, mm. you know. He's not he's not wanting, yeah. um, and he's also looking out for players as well. Yeah. And in looking out for players, he's given them opportunity to sign up to FC Transition, um, and you know get placements. Find out what other industries, what are they doing, where does your potential, what's up there, where does it match in another industry, you know, mm. or another sport, or or in football, or totally away from football, you know, yeah. where's your creative mind going to get you? So I'd always say, do a little bit of research, mm. go into into and go talk to people like that first of all. It doesn't hurt to have a conversation. Of course, um, another organisation called Laps Laps Careers. You probably know yeah. them as well, yeah, you know. Yeah. Again. You know, go into that kind of thing and, and ask the questions that would then make you go home, have a chat with the missus and, and plan out your future at a very early stage, you know, because the ultimate thing is, Dan, and you'll know this again, is your career, you know, when in the industry, where your career can end mm. just like that. Yeah, 100%. You know, and when your career is, is like that, mm. you're almost like a disposable asset to the football clubs. Definitely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So we have to always, we need to be selfish. And I, I know people think footballers are selfish, but mm. in a sense, you need to be selfish about what you want for your own life mm. to be able to achieve it once, once your career is done, you know? So yeah. that would you know, be doing bits of research, getting, having conversations with people that have, you know, just transitioned out of the game who have mm. long time transitioned and, and positive and negative as well. Learn yeah. about the tough experiences. Mm. whilst I'm just appreciating the valuable ones that actually think I can align myself to that, you know? Yeah, um, It's not an easy process, and it's a process that will last over, definitely over a period of time. But, mm. yeah, I think now I think players are more aware that, you know, when you think of retiring at, let's say, let's say on average 33, 34, mm. you've got 30 years of your working life left. Exactly, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, great like say, yeah, The high-profile players are fine. You know, those that are earning that money and absolutely can end the game and then pick whatever they want to do next. Yeah. But the everyday player has, mm -hmm. has got to look at, I've got to work again for another 30 years. Yeah. 100%. Would maybe take a year off, you know, take a year off and then I've got to get into something. Yeah. That, that's yeah. tough. That's great advice. I mean, I agree with everything you said there. And it's certainly easier to do if you're still playing. So work in something that runs parallel to you playing. And it's mm. about trial and error. It's not about maybe finding something at the first attempt. 
it's easy yeah. to go into something and then and leave it and at least then you know that's not for you move on to the next thing if that's not for you move on while she's still playing again for me my experience was slightly different so my mindset was look if i don't make enough money by the time i come to retirement age i'm gonna have to work and i had that mindset yeah. from the age of 23 24 although i didn't okay. know what i wanted to do so my train of thought was i'm not in this bubble never have been all my friends are just friends from school wherever never really had football friends so okay. they're always fine with me anyway so when it came to retirement i was at a crossroads and on the day i got offered a job in property i got offered to go and um, train with another club with a view of earning a contract within a couple of days just after free my fitness and i just turned it down i said look i know for a fact i'm gonna have to work so if i go and sign again for another year again i'm gonna be You're in a just delaying it aren't you yeah, I'm just delaying it. So I just thought, you know what? I explained to the manager at the time, Martin Foyle um, at Hereford. And I just said, look, this is the reason why I'm going to turn it down. He said, if I was in your shoes, I'd do the same. And then mm -hmm. I've never looked back since. So I'll be honest, I was Brilliant. lucky. I was lucky. I, I went out and I sourced a job just through the normal channels and I sent in my CV, um, which again is a massive thing. No one wants to know how many games you played or exactly. how many medals you won. It's about exactly. what, what your skills are and what you're going to bring to the company. And that's it. So do your research, like you said, speak to people and don't see retirement as a negative because too often I hear people talk about even their approach to the question. Um, I used to get asked, oh, what are you going to do after, after you've finished? And straight away, it's a negative conversation. Of course it is. Yeah, what, of course rather it is. than saying, oh, what are you going to do to help people once you finish? That's different because mm. then you think, oh, actually, I can do X, Y and Z. And I then can it do gets, X, yeah. Yeah. Rather than, oh, actually, I, I don't know. I don't want to think about it. I've got a game next week. You put it to the back of your head because it's just mm. a negative conversation. And sometimes people mm. will ask you just to try and catch you out. Um, and I found that a lot of times as well from various different people. But um, that's what so, I think, Dan, when, when people are already doing stuff. Do you know what I mean? They say, well, actually, I've got a business running. I'm yeah. still playing. And I've got a mindset of to go into the media. Do you know what I mean? While still yeah. running my business. And the amount of shocked faces. What? You've got a business running? Yeah. What? You're gonna, what? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I like to, to see when the player has already been actively kind of looking at his career, like you've said, you know, from an yeah. early age and, and can actually answer the negative question mm. with such a positive that throws it back in people's faces as True. such. Because True. remember, footballers are not supposed to be the brightest spark, are they? Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing I hate because you're putting all these footballers across the world, millions and millions of people in one bracket and you're saying that we're all thick makes no yeah. sense so i've always dismissed that um and i think sometimes people get surprised when they actually speak to me and they think oh actually you used to play football that makes no sense it's just the narrative that i've never agreed with um yeah. it yeah. gets my back up as well but going forward then do you think more more help is needed for athletes in general yeah uh, listen without doubt and, uh, and it's not to knock some of the initiatives that are in place but mm -hmm. how readily available are they you know how how much are players aware about you know opportunities to develop whilst they're playing mm -hmm. opportunities to to almost let's put it in a nutshell increase their earning potential you yeah. know increase their the awareness of the opportunities or the like you said the transferable skills that not everyone comes into football just with a football brain yeah. You know, there's other things we've taken into place that we haven't had to utilise because mm. football has given us that opportunity to be a sports individual, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, just the way that, that the perception around the game and the perception around the people that play it, mm. you know, I, I almost hope that players use that as a, do you know what, I'm going to show you anyway because I'm yeah. more intelligent than what you've ever thought that <laughs> I am. 
Yes, I kick a ball around for a living. Yes, you think that I'm lazy because I only train twice a day and mm. play a football match at the end of the week. But actually, do you know what? I've got it. Don't worry about that. You know what? And I'm going to quietly go about my business, you know? Um, really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, enjoyed the chat. Um, if you wanted to let people know where we can find you and obviously uh, what you actually do. So where we can find you on social media and obviously just touch on what you do again slightly. So where you can find me is any platform that says at Tauno 10. So okay. in, in Twitter and Instagram is literally just at Tauno 10. My favourite yeah. number with the shortening of my name and put a no on that. So yeah, yeah. Um, the conversation is at the conversation. So if you wanted to follow the podcast, when you put the conversation in, replace the E with a free. So it's at the conversation. Um, again, you know, I, I work in football and I'm really lucky to be working in the game, you know. If anyone had told me the day that I was released and the subsequent years afterwards that I struggled, that I'd eventually be back working in the game and yeah. providing education and, and, you know, helping mentoring side of it, helping people find careers. And, mm. you know, just I, I, would, I would never have believed it. So the fact that I do that now is amazing. One thing that I didn't mention and, and I, you know, we're there talking about transferable skills and everything. I owned a business. Okay. You know, I used to own a business for 15 years. Um, I, I don't know why that's gone right over my head, but me and my business partner, who unfortunately has passed away now, run a sports yeah. development company. And it was, again, you talk about what we knew, what we know, we knew sport. And so what we did is we, we went into schools and provided sports provision, you know, allowed the teachers to have PPA time while we had a specialist sports business. And we took, in the end, at one stage, we had over 30 schools this was before everyone was doing that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But you know what? <clears throat> if you know your gig, if you know your sports, you know, particularly at a primary level, you can go into that as well, you know, yeah. where we're helping the future. Mm. <clears throat> so helping the future obviously is massive as well, particularly if you're a sports individual, you know, and mm. helping guide the next generation through the pitfalls and everything else, you know, is a great thing. So yeah, 15 years before I, I entered into the kick it out, gig and then doing everything that I do for the organization brilliant appreciate that obviously appreciate the insight um keep doing what you're doing um seems Thank like obviously you're onto a good thing we already know that um I'm sure you'll be a success um keep obviously spreading the message regarding kick it out um and then yeah just uh keep in touch along the way hope it goes well for you going forward will do without doubt most definitely will do thank brilliant. you thank you see you soon see you soon Dan Thank you.